0: The Chase uh, Remixed, I am Captain Tiki, a.k.a. Ola Phillips, and you are listening to the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki, and it's two hours, just so you know. All right, they uh, messed with our mics a little bit, so I'm getting used to the board again. I apologize for that. Anyway, um, this is the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki, as I just said. Uh, You are on KAAD LP, 103.5 FM, Sonora, California. So we're uh, out here chilling out. Uh, we're going to talk some 14 stuff. We're going to do something a little different tonight. Um, I was talking to my, my butt over here, Dave, and he really wanted to interview me. <laughs> so I said, okay, why not? And by the way, uh, I'm going to start cutting the, uh, the music at the beginning a little bit, but I just like that song so much. So here's Dave. I'm going to turn, turn the show over to him so that he can interview me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I actually took uh, stole one of your songs. Really? Yeah, uh, California Dreamin' Exotica oh, oh, yeah. style. Yeah. I played it on this morning show.
0: It's a g- so good. I tell love
1: you, that. It's a good one. And, and then I seen in your collection you had Night Rider. Yes. Hit. Yes. Uh, I have a
0: remix, and I have Airwolf.
1: Uh, you know, it's funny the. Uh, the um, non-human stars. It, it might have started with like Lassie and Trigger, uh, <laughs> but then the, the real uh, yeah. Flipper. Flipper, right? Uh, that was the interspecies communication. <laughs> yep. And they had the uh, whales as well, the yeah. uh, Free Willie and yeah,
0: Free Willy uh, right.
1: stuff. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I think the real breakout guy that really uh, started it all was Robbie the robot. Oh, sure. And uh, he made several movies. His his debut one is still a classic Forbidden Forbidden Planet. Planet.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, anybody out there listening, you should watch Forbidden Planet. You will see Leslie Nielsen not funny. (laughs) He is like the antithesis of humor in that movie. Uh, but the the music is phenomenal on
1: that it's one. It's classic film classic. all the way around. Yeah,
0: the music's amazing. Uh,
1: and and then Robbie starred with uh, made guest appearances everywhere. Oh sure. On any all the shows, and then he landed his own series and was lost in space.
0: You know, they tried to make another one. I think it was this island Earth. They had another
1: robot, but it just wasn't the same. No, Robbie had a personality. He did. And uh, so that's kind of a long-winded uh, way of saying, did you ever see that movie Flight of the Navigator? Of course. And... Uh, uh, I watched that movie in the multipurpose room in my elementary school
0: because I don't know how they did it, but somebody was connected to Disney. And so on Friday afternoons after school for a quarter, we could go into the multi-use room and watch like films. That's actually how I saw Tron. I watched Tron originally when it came out. It was still in the movie theaters, but somehow they got a copy and they actually showed it in the multi-use room. So I watched Tron and Flight of the Navigator that
1: way. Boy, that's funny, when I was a little kid, we used to go to the uh, Franciscan Monks Auditorium and they'd show uh, movies in Spanish because it was a Spanish-speaking community. And uh, but those like vampire movies, oh, sure. and uh, well,
0: they had the luchador ones where they would fight the vampires,
1: yeah. Although I, think, I did see the shaggy dog in Spanish <laughs> the first time I ever saw the Spanish. <laughs> uh, but uh, did you see the
0: shaggy da?
1: Yeah, I've seen all, all those movies, but <laughs> the not in the Spanish. The Incredible Mr. Limpet, and oh, I love the Incredible Don Mr. Knox. L- Don, Knox. Don Knox. But what was I going to say about the flight of the navigator? Is the uh, the ship? It's about a relationship with a young boy and an alien craft, and yes. the alien craft is like Kit, but <laughs> with a uh, incredible sense of humor. That's true. As right? a non- and that was Pee Wee Herman. Was it? Yes, it was. I, that's I did li- not know that. That was like his. Uh, to me, that was uh, the role. Well, I don't know. His Tequila dance is pretty cool his too. Tequila dance. But uh, that. Uh, He played the ship in uh, Flight of the Navigator, and uh, it was a a comic role. Yeah, but uh, he just played his whole range of everything, and uh, and the relationship between the ship and the young boy heartwarming. Oh, very very heartwarming. (laughs) It's
0: a Disney kids film. It's
1: incredibly heartwarming right so it's just a little remembrance to Pee Wee Herman absolutely rest in peace Pee Wee uh, I was a big fan Uh, so okay Okay. welcome to the Enigma Hour and I'm Dave Allen and I'll be your guest on tonight's show now I already know what you're thinking well wait a minute isn't the uh, host supposed to be welcoming the guest not the other way around so uh we just thought, keeping with the spirit of the show. Absolutely. Uh, we thought uh, maybe just this once so uh, we could have the guest interview the host. <laughs> and uh, is that an anomaly? I, I think that's an anomaly. All right. Olaf Phillips is a researcher, author, publisher, and podcaster of all things weird and strange. Uh, actually, what I've come to find out is you're quite a booster for the stranger side of things. You've appeared on shows like America on Earth, UFO Hunters, AM Coast to Coast, Beyond Belief. Anything that uh, uh, to help disseminate your collections of uh, everything weird and wonderful, uh, you're there. Uh, I try. uh, He's the author of the books The Secret Space Age and The Secret Cold War in Space, so uh, conspiracies and cover-ups is, uh, are no stranger to this man. And uh, so I'd like to welcome to your show, <coughs> Olaf Phillips.
0: Well, thanks for having
1: me, Dave. A- a- A.K.A. Uh, uh, Captain TV. It's a pleasure to be on your show, Dave. So I read that you've been, uh, been in the business of collecting The Strange and Bizarre for like three decades actually longer than that longer than so how did you how did you get started some kids collect stamps but you collect (laughs) all things weird and wonderful how how did that happen
0: well it's actually it's a funny story I was uh, I was in elementary school and I was laying in bed one night and um, there was this crazy I was on the second floor and there was this crazy light like hovering outside my window and you know' <clears throat> I'm, I'm a kid It scared the crap out of me and I didn't know what to do so I did what a child would do. I covered myself up with a blanket and I had a nice comforter and I covered myself up. I uncovered myself it was still there. I thought, well, I'm gonna read so I pulled out my choose your own adventure it tells you how old I am and I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm reading choose your, my choose your own still there. And so I got up the nerve to make a break for it, to go for the door. And um, I ran for the door. I opened the door, ran through the door, across the hallway to my parents' room. And um, I burst into my parents' room. Mom and Dad! You know, I throw the door open. And um, <clears throat> I looked at my dad. He's waking up. And I said, Dad, you were in the Air Force. He goes, I was. I said... You know a lot about airplanes. He goes, I do, although he wasn't a pilot. And, you know, he grew up on Air Force bases. My grandpa was in the Air Force. Like, everybody I know was in the Air Force, right? And I said, well, there's something weird outside my window, and I want to, I need you to tell me what it is. Thinking that, you know, <clears throat> my father is the gateway to all, <laughs> all aircraft knowledge. So he, he, he had a baton The back when, I lived on Air Force bases and my dad was in, they were called the security police. Originally they were called like the air police. Now they just call them like the security forces. But back then they were called the security police and they have these billy clubs, you know, like a police do. And he had one from back when he was in the air force. So he pulls it out from under the bed, gets himself <laughs> all ready, you know, and he, the, he swings the door open. He's got the club in his hand. He's like, "I'm ready to take out whatever needs to be taken out to defend my kid." And honestly, you know, that's always been a very endearing thing to me that he he reacted that way. And it was gone. And I looked at him. I said, "No, it was really there." And he said, "No, I believe you. <coughs> I, I don't doubt it for one bit, one minute." And so the next day, <coughs> I think everybody's <laughs> clearing their throats tonight. Well,
1: anyway, la 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 uh, la. la, la. la, la, la.
0: Anyway, so the next day I go, I'm in like, I don't know, fourth grade or something. I go to the library, and I went to the librarian back when, you know, there were full-time librarians in schools. And I said, because, you know, when you're in third or fourth grade, you know, when you go to the library, it's like you tell the librarian what you want. like You have to describe it, right? And so I went to the librarian and I said, I saw a weird light outside my window, and I want to know what it is. And so she says, she gives me the Dewey Decimal numbers for airplanes, airplane stuff. Okay. So I go look. I'm like, no, I come back to it. I'm like, no, that's not it. I I don't know what it was, but, you know, I've been around airplanes my whole life. You know, that's, that is not what I saw. And um, she said, oh, you want those books? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about, but yes. And so she pointed me to... She didn't give me the dual Dewey decimal number. She actually pointed at it. And she said, it's right there. And it was in the other room. So I go. And there, was, there were three main books that I got. One was uh, <clears throat> it was by J. Allen Heineck. Uh, one was Messengers of Deception by Jacques Villy, And one was Mysteries of Time and Space by Brad Steiger. And I tried to read Heineck. It was too dense because, I mean, he was an astronomer. I read Vali. Vali was too um, ethereal because messengers of deception is you know UFO sightings through history and you know how our perceptions of, of the occupants of via ve- the vehicles um, change over time, right? And so um, I really wasn't getting the metaphysics of the whole thing. And then I read Brad Steiger's Mysteries of Time and Space, and I was in. And, you know, it didn't explain to me what I saw at all, but I learned about time shifts and vortexes and UFOs and cryptids and it's all in there. So about, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, probably about 10 years ago now, you know, I I knew Steiger. And so I was talking to, to brother Brad one day, lovely guy, one of the nicest guys I've ever known. I'm talking to brother Brad. I said, "Hey, I got a funny story for you. You know, you know how I found you?" He's like, "Well, how would I know how you found me?" And I said, "Okay, well, I told him the story and he was so touched by the fact that his book like made me obsessed with this stuff. He's like, "Hey, can you write that story? I'm going to put it in the book. I'm re I'm re-releasing the book." And so actually I have like two pages in the introduction to uh I wrote a, a longer thing but he had to shave it down, but Basically, I wrote like half of the introduction to the reissuing of "Mysteries of Time and Space" by Brad Steiger.
1: You know what? I may have a copy of that at home. Oh, it's a classic. Uh, kind of, uh, and I look. I think it uh, was from some library because it has the card thing in there. <laughs> uh, those <laughs> so, appear sometimes. So yeah, I don't know where I actually ever got that thing.
0: I actually, speaking of books, I actually have a really weird book. Uh, there's a book called Left at Eastgate that's about Rendlesham. This big UFO site they had at the Rendlesham at uh, Bentwaters in England in the Rendlesham Forest. And the copy of the book that I have is actually Art Bell's copy. That There there was a whole like letter written to Art Bell and, and, um, about how he's going to love the book and whatever. So it's still in the book and Art Bell decided to sell it or give it away to the library. And
1: so I bought it. Cool. so you're a collector of... Uh, <laughs> and, and then now we get down to this. Is uh, But that's that's how I got started. Okay. And then when I first met you, and first I want to congratulate you, I mean, out of all the places that you're broadcasting <laughs> from, the Enigma Hour is broadcast from the basement... <laughs> Literally. ...of what is called the Casino or Sonora Dome, right. which is... Uh, a, uh, 22, it takes up 22,000 square feet. It's a three-story building. It has Doric columns out front and a nice. big dome structure. It's crazy. And I've actually been up into the girders that, that construct that dome, and this it's like an amazing piece of engineering. Yeah, that that. the wood, antenna's on uh, the top of it. <laughs> I thought it
0: was crazy. And
1: you can look it up. It's like America's Most Haunted. It's on that list and yeah. um, uh, yeah, just put in Casino Sonora Dome, and something will come up. I checked that it's there. Uh, and I remember when we first, uh, this building has been, was built like 1901 or something like that. And uh, in um, uh, it had been abandoned or shut down in the 1960s. It was built as a school and it's up on the hill and it dominates uh, the landscape when you're down in the little valley on in downtown Sonora and uh, there was a lot of activity because uh, it had been abandoned so long and then we came in and took it over this is true underground radio it is broadcast from the basement
0: broadcast from the basement and, <laughs> and it looks like a basement actually it's very bunker-ish I gotta tell you
1: yeah, if the zombie apocalypse <laughs> happened, I, this would be like the safest place to be. Oh, the doors are thick, too. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you think of those big, thick gymnasium doors, you know? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, feel all uh, nestled here in the... Uh, but when I first met you and we were talking, you identified yourself as a 14 Correct. And um, I had heard that word, didn't know a thing about it. And then I, uh, I did my Google thing, and it's this guy, Charles Fort, that was uh, making books like in 1911. And uh, he was the man uh, um, that invented like the supernatural, everything that we know it seemed like about... Uh, Phenomena which science cannot understand. Oh yeah. Um, he was the man that started it all, and everything uh, from Ripley's Believe It or Not down to the most modern of, and all the science fiction writers. And mm-hmm. okay, so, but the commonality that I saw is this guy collected. He'd go to these libraries, the British Library, and oh yeah. Uh, he was actually... The British actually,
0: Museum, yeah. Yeah,
1: and uh, and then New York Library, because that's where he was born and raised. Mm-hmm. And he would just go through old books and periodicals and newspapers.
0: Yeah, he compiled them into a book called The Book of the Damned, which I always thought was really interesting that he called it The Book of the Damned.
1: But uh, what he actually meant was that these are the stories that... Um, Make the back shelves, and yeah. nowhere else.
0: Yeah, they're they're lost, lost to time.
1: A lost stories. So, um, but he would bring them out, and and he beca- he developed such a following. I mean, what I couldn't. I mean, Theodore Dreiser, Sherwood Anderson, all the literate of the time, just loved his stuff. And then they started the 14 Society. Yep. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, they, yeah. It, it exists. Well, it still exists today. They used to have a. They used to have a convention. It was supposedly pretty cool, but there are a lot of people that identify. I mean, even like Robert Anton Wilson.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I I couldn't. Carrie begin. Thornley,
0: who is also a Mary prankster. Uh, Carrie Thornley was really into it too.
1: Yeah, it was like this incredible list of influences. Oh yeah. I mean. Uh, if there was, uh, there might not have ever been a Stephen King or no. any of those people.
0: Yeah, the genesis of a lot of stories are fourteen in nature.
1: Yeah, so um, these are the kind, I've never read his books. You can buy, there's five major works that he put out. <laughs> he and you can buy them as a collection. He did all other kind of writing. Mm-hmm. They say when he died, he had a collection of like 40, thousand notes on different stories that
0: probably that wouldn't uh, surprise me i mean he you know he's legendary for the amount of data that he collected but uh, i mean you also have to point out that that fort fort was doing this at the turn of the century i mean this is not you know this wasn't like 1958 no no this is
1: 1919 yes he started
0: in the 1800s
1: so, uh, and he started reading scientific journals, newspapers, magazines, and just collecting <laughs> yeah. n- volumes of notes on uh, phenomenon. Uh, so, um, it's occult, supernatural, paranormal. He, he invented the word teleportation to uh, those reigning of uh, frogs. frogs and fishes. Uh, blood, and uh, blood, blood rains, which
0: tend to happen in India.
1: Too. Spontaneous uh, human, uh, combustion. human combustion, yeah. uh, ball lightning, poltergeists, unaccountable noises and explosions, Phantasm-
0: levitations, phantasmagoria. Where you that that one actually kind of always creeped me out. the The idea of phantasmagoria, where you fall asleep and you dream of being in another place, another building. And it turns out that you were haunting the other building.
1: Yeah, that He found that, that would, too. Yeah. He, that would be kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> you are the ghost. So, uh, yeah. And he was the one that really started the first one talking about unidentified flying, flying objects. objects. And then a lot of his unexplained disappearances, he uh, kind of uh, said it was... Uh, it was the alien abductions. He was the oh, yeah. first one to do Inter- that.
0: Interdimensional travel.
1: Um, animals found outside their normal ranges. <laughs> yeah. um, it's reports quite a list. of out of place artifacts, strange items. That's, found- what,
0: that's what we were talking about last week in Table yeah. Mountain.
1: That's right. Yeah. And yeah, you know what's really weird about this list is we've had almost all of these things here. <laughs> yes. Um, and. <laughs> That is true.
0: (laughs) The more I read, the more I realize that.
1: Yeah. So um, that's just, and then I didn't realize how, the, the reason why I know the things that I know is because I'm trying to preserve and capture the legacy and heritage of our county that we live in. Right. And it just happens to be very weird. It is very weird. Here. And um, so, uh, but outside of this, uh, in anticipation to the show, <laughs> uh, I looked up like st- weird stories, stories in the news, weird stories. And there's every major news service offers uh, weird and strange I didn't realize this. I mean, it, it's everywhere. Oh yeah,
0: I think Reuters is actually one of the better ones. You can get a lot of stuff. Out I, I did. I
1: did go to Reuters. You're mm-hmm. right. And uh, Reuters is actually really good for UFOs. They're so a lot of UFO stuff. Now, uh, you you were publisher? <laughs> yeah. So paranoia magazine.
0: Yeah. it's got a little bit of a hiatus right now but yes I I am the owner and publisher of Paranoia Magazine
1: yeah I thought it was like this legendary thing that kind of stopped publishing but uh, the back issues are very sought after
0: yeah (laughs) yeah no no, they really are it always shocks me because you know I have them I have you know I have them I can reprint them anytime but I go on eBay and they're a lot of money
1: they have a lot of money. So um, Call tell me, me about I'll the it too cheaper. <laughs> yeah, Anomalies network. Yeah, so
0: originally it was called the S4 database and it was a website I started when I was in college. And uh, I basically back then you could get a lot of text files that came off BBSs in various places and I tried to archive as many as I could, and I found this service, it was called SimpleNet, and um, I put them all there and made them free for everybody to download because it was very rare at that time, but they had unlimited storage. So I would regularly max out their storage.
1: So, but you're doing the 14 thing. I mean, you're following in the footsteps of collecting and disseminating uh, tales of the strange bizarre and wonderful
0: i found i found fort backwards actually i found keel john keel first disneyland of the gods and then i went backwards and found
1: fort okay well i i guess i started from ripley's believe it or not <laughs> hey I mean, that's you. what it was and my interest in it is this was a a cartoon sure it was a, a cartoon. Yeah, they that used to publish
0: it in most major yeah, all the newspapers. newspapers
1: yeah. yeah, all the newspapers. Yeah,
0: shrunken heads and
1: yeah, and you know what? So you know, most kids when they're growing up, they I guess I've always had a penchant. Maybe you bring it out in me or something because <laughs> I can think back now in my life. Uh, you know how most kids have the lemonade stand. Sure. Well I had a museum of the weird. Oh wow. That kids would and I had a shrunken head and a uh you know, it's all a cabinet all of fake. curiosities. I my own cabinet of curiosities cool. and I would try to charge people and I said <laughs> they're making it as the lemonade stand. This is better. This is way better.
0: I I, I ran a convenience store yeah. out of my locker when I was in junior high school. So
1: eventually I went to clown school and ran away with the circus for a couple <laughs> of years.
0: Well, that's a different show. So,
1: I know, but that... <laughs> Coming that, up, Dave, Dave turns into a clown and scares people. <laughs> yeah, you know, clowns are scary. Clowns are frightening. I wore makeup one time, and that grease paint is torture, and I said, never again.
0: My great-grandfather... I'm not
1: that kind of... I'm like the... kind of just the hobo kind of clown.
0: My great-grandfather, he was a clown in the Shriner Circus, and... The Shriners, yeah. Yeah, huh? I love my great-grandfather very much, though I never met him, but I mean, he was my great-grandfather, but... Um, there are pictures of him just the way he is, and it's like I remember those. There's one photo of him in the clown in his clown outfit, and I just don't—I don't know—I uh, skip past it. I—I I have a fear of clowns. I just do not like them.
1: Either. Did he wear uh, oh, yeah. face paint the, the whole, whole thing? The whole thing. Wow. The yeah. Shriners here—they don't quite go that far. Oh no, he went all the way. And, but this uh,
0: is—you know—this is rural Minnesota. You know, in the 40s or in the 50s, it, it was a different time.
1: Yeah, well, I have a—you uh, know—I've sat and made balloon doggies with the oh, shriners, man. and uh, it's just amazing because uh, in the background is the Ark of the Covenant, a model <laughs> of it. You know, I mean, these are some strange <laughs> that's people. That's—that's
0: that, that's strange. <laughs> You're making balloon dogs in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, okay.
1: yeah, no, but I mean, uh, their ceremonial room that they—they oh, sure. they maintain here in Sonora. It's so, uh, all very
2: str- yeah, strange. Covenant, that's... When I was a
1: kid, I worked yeah. for the uh, the Masonic Retirement Home in Union City. Okay. And uh, that was acres, a beautiful castle. Oh, yeah. And uh, um, they would have the temple there with their rites and mm-hmm. strange costumes. And I was the kid that went and delivered all the food. I was like the...
0: That's that's fourteen in and of itself. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'd go around with the juice wagon, where everybody <laughs> has wagon. their eye aprons and oh, their sure? plumed hats and mm-hmm. coats with the epaulettes and oh yeah, and sashes. And the, the sashes and everything with all the uh, the candles and the uh, boas and you're letting out <laughs> secrets. The Pillars, uh, yeah, yeah. The Apprentice Pillar and so, the Monster Pillar. I, uh, I guess I did get my introduction I that way. Right. Uh, so, I guess I, I've always had a uh, thing for... Uh, I used to have a, a full collection of... Does this count? A full collection of Forrest J. Ackerman's famous monsters of film land? Absolutely. <laughs>
0: you know, a lot of people who identify as Fortune, you know, they love old monster movies and... and Famous Monsters
1: is When I was a kid, I won third place um, for the um, it was like a Build a Monsters sponsored oh, sure. by Famous Monsters magazine. Yeah. And yeah. the guy that won first place cheated. <laughs> but but the no, it's true. He it was out They there had certain criteria and you had to follow it, and the guy didn't follow the criteria they just and liked won that. anyway. They liked it, yeah. But first place was a tour of Forrest J's house. Oh, wow. Uh, that must have been uh, amazing. Yeah, so any teenage kid, man. Uh, but that's just that, you know, you fall into this stuff when you're a teenager. You know,
0: I remember when I was a teenager, I was walking the dog with my mom. And, you know, I already had started to amass some level of knowledge of this stuff. I'm just walking the dog. I mean, it's that's nothing more ominous or weird than walking the dog. And I... I don't know, I had the presence of mind to look up, and uh, there hanging probably about 20,000 feet was the Lazar Sportster model, like right out of the tester's box. I mean, it looked, you know, it was a disc, had the wave guide, the whole thing, it was just hanging in the sky. Wow. Yeah. No, I think I attract it. Like, I think wherever I go, I have a tendency to find weird stuff. I don't know if I'm just looking for it,
1: just happens. But. Synchronicity, oh, strange uh, coincidences, are, are an affinity, or you can think that well, I, I you—you you, uh, reality is actually created by your mind and manifested. Yeah, that's, but that's
0: a whole dis, that's a whole discussion about <laughs> what's called the holographic universe. Yeah,
1: but uh, there's a lot of possibilities, oh, isn't yeah. there? Now, the
0: holographic universe—the idea that we're in a simulation, or you know, that we manifest reality around us—that's very popular.
1: And uh, I, I, I I mean, I maybe have my own philosophy, but what I did all my life as a job was work in the psychiatric hospital. So,
0: yeah, you know, I mean, it's, that's an interesting (laughs) point. You know, when you, when you're dealing with people in a psychiatric facility, sometimes you have to ask yourself, is this person actually really crazy? Because I mean, I, I know that's, I know that's kind of a and you know, say, well, you're crazy, you know, that's not a very nice thing to say. It's somewhat derogatory, but, you know, you, you look at some of the people and you hear them, and it's like, but are they really... Do they... Where's it coming from?
1: Yeah, you have to uh, actually I, come from their point of view. Right. Was Edgar Enter Casey, into their reality is yeah. what I always try to and, do.
0: I mean, you look at Edgar Cayce, the sleeping prophet. You know, was Edgar Cayce... You know,
1: did he have a psychiatric condition? Probably,
0: probably. But but he, he, the stuff that he said came true.
1: No, I've seen in uh, in the back wards on the third floors. uh, I've seen um, manifestations. Oh, sure. I've uh, uh, people that can read minds. What's that called? Oh, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah just telepathy telepathy and uh, oh and then when I was a kid well, I'm supposed to be interviewing you and <laughs> you're bringing back remembrances how did I get to where I was you know, yeah
0: it's a good question I mean it, it made me think when you started asking me those questions I mean it's because I, I really have been at it for probably about 40 years or more you know pro yeah, I'd say about 40 because you know that had to happen when I was about seven or eight.
1: Who was that cat that uh, did the dolphin research and he started putting himself in isolation tanks with huge amounts of ketamine and LSD? Oh, I don't remember his name. And uh, sort well, Ultra. Um, they He used, a- he. So when I was a kid, we used to go down the Coyote Hills. That's in the East Bay. Right. And they had this thing called the Biosonar Lab. Mm-hmm. And what always impacted on me is, is a... Uh, well, it was a former site of one of those um, Minuteman missiles, Oh yeah. silos, but that was gone. Instead, there was uh, mostly sea lions. Yeah, uh, they have a lot of sea lions. But right. that cat was there. Uh, I think that was part of SRI. Doing research.
0: SRI, the Stanford Research Institute, is actually a really interesting place. Back in the, in the late 90s, they tried to rebrand it as uh, Atomic Tangerine. I have no idea where that came from. But SRI was linked to about about everything um, government-funded abnormal that you could think of. They were part of uh, MKUltra. You
1: know, well, a Kesey first received LSD uh, yeah. as part of the MKUltra experiments. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, but uh, they also did um, uh, the Stargate project where they did remote viewing. Like Lynn Buchanan and all those guys. Oh, yeah, there that were was
1: some movies says men staring at God. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a little different.
0: <laughs> that was that was an that was an attempt to to harness uh, Fortean power to uh, to further the
1: Green Berets. Uh, but uh, that cat, um, yeah, he, be, it wasn't like he was my friend, but I'd go in there and he'd say, "Hey, come on." Uh, and he hey, would show, kid, he talk. Show yeah.
0: some sonar, yeah. sonar
1: dolphins and yeah. find mines. And then, um, yeah, that yeah, interspecies
0: communication. You know, they still do stuff like that. Right now, you know, we've got this whole problem in the Ukraine. The Russians have actually deployed mine-sniffing dolphins uh, in the Black Sea. They're using them right now.
1: Well, they have larger brains than we do. And when they 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 communicate telepathically because you can see their skin shiver when uh, they bark and whistle at each other, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so they implant direct experiences into the other dolphin. And so can you imagine what dolphin and whale poetry is like, oh, a weaving together of direct experience and imagine. being able to transport it into uh, another being? So they teach a dolphin a task, and they uh, isolate it from all the other dolphins. And then he, then they put him in with the other dolphins, and then all the dolphins knew the task.
0: Well, that's, that's like crows. Crows do stuff like that, too.
1: And so that was uh, some of the research that they did when I was over at Stanford, and it was right by that. They have the what do they call Those Stanford Gardens with oh, the yeah. succulent gardens. I mean, really? they have uh, they have aloe vera that's like 18 feet tall and stuff there. It makes
0: you wonder what they're doing over there. <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> and and they used to let the chimps go free. I didn't uh, know that. Um, so. The first time I ever encountered it was, we're walking along the path in that little garden area and heard a bicycle ring, you know, the little uh, bells on a bicycle. And look over and here's a chimp (laughs) riding a bicycle. And he's saying, get out of my way, here I come. And then uh, I remember one time, uh, one of the chimps from the research lab got loose and uh, what was it? I think it was the University Theater there on University Avenue. Yeah, I think you're, yeah. Uh, he was up there doing the King Kong thing. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, it's just like uh, amazing stuff. See? That, <laughs> you're
0: more interesting than I
1: am. Yeah, but it's it just... I saw UFOs and stuff, but this is way better. But this is just an accumulation of daily interaction. But, this, but when you're a 14, this is what, there. there's a movie on,
0: people ask me, they're like, what's it like to be a 14 researcher? And it's like, I don't really know how to answer that. Because it's a lot of things. You know, it's being observant. I mean, you go in and experiencing that, that's 14, what you're talking about. And you know that garden is a very liminal space. I mean, it's a very strange, out of place space. And there's a what is it? It's like Into Into the Dark. I think it's called. It's an Amazon movie. I think it's called like Into the Dark. But it's about the it's about basically like a UFO sighting. And these people, they're they have a radio. Sh- this guy has a radio show, and they're trying to broadcast while this UFO sighting's going on. And there's like a basketball game or something. And that. The way that the people who are experiencing and trying to figure out what's going on, what they go through, that range of emotions, that is very much what it's like to do 14 research. Uh,
1: so but just You're more gr- of a fortune than I am <laughs> Yeah, but growing up in uh, California in the nineteen sixties, I mean, that was there. Well, when I was a teenager, so my dad took a hike. And it was my single mom, and she was a little crazy. And, uh, and my aunt was married to an Alone Indian. Okay. And uh, I guess he's the chief or whatever, the elder. And the he was elders. Philippe Galvan. And he took an interest in me. He knew us like I was a half-wild orphan boy. Right. And uh, he put me to work. I had suffered these illnesses. like I was out of school for an entire year. It yeah. like this constant pneumonia. And uh, so when he first met me, we shook hands, and he says, you have no calluses. And so he put me to work hoeing uh, weeds, essentially. But it was at the Indian sites. Right. and at the uh, Mission San Jose okay. and the Dominican Sisters with those 200-year-old olive trees. But he showed me, he'd tell me Indian tales, you know, like tales of the elders, right? And then he showed me Datura root, and he says this is what the shamans use, you know, to mm-hmm. find sure. your path, and, uh, but don't you ever use it. And he's trying to tell a 14-year-old boy uh, that's in 1968, 1968.
0: <laughs> not to make the tour yeah, of right. and go on a trip fest yeah.
1: that's going to be successful and I was up in the hills for three days and met um, spider grandmother and later on a few years later I toured with a, a group of historians, history people uh, the Four Corners region all those right. Asanazi sites and I actually took a special trip, hired an well, he was part of the team, went with an Indian guide, and uh, we visited Spider Woman Rock for me to pay homage to her because she gave me shelter in her Hogan uh, while the shadow people were after me, or whoever those people are in the Tura. The
0: That's uh, shadow people, shadow beings, the uh, dark entities. Yeah. You no, know, You've lived a very fortean life.
1: Wow. But
0: you see, like, you know, that that's what happens to me. You just fall into stuff that 14 things happen. And, you know, I always tell people that it, the stuff's all around you. You just have to look. I mean, if you want to see synchronicities, they're there all the time. And it's how the universe guides you on your path. The hero's journey, you know.
1: That that's I'll mostly mention. just a point of view. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a point of view. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't realize uh, this is a whole new world to me. And you're saying I've already been inhabiting?
0: You have been
1: uh, the it world. Sounds like it. I mean, I so I, I wanted to give you like, so I just went randomly on on the internet and looked <laughs> up a few uh, what is uh, stories from the news. You tell me okay. how. Fort, what did they call the um, Fortiana or? Fortiana yeah. uh, okay uh, so <laughs> is this s- like a game show do I want yeah someone? this yeah this is it yeah okay. see uh, on a scale on a maybe, scale of one attack yeah which one is the most Fortiana okay I'm ready okay scientists were able to revive a 46,000 year old species of worm that had been frozen in permafrost that's for reproducing uh, the worm was revived simply by rehydrating it, yep. and scientists at the Max Planck Institute said the major take-home message was that, in principle, it is possible to stop life for more or less an indefinite indefinite time and then restart it.
0: I'd say that's that's probably a seven. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's definitely fourteen. You know. It, I, I, speaking of that kind of stuff, I always like the, the stories about you know various people who, who were put in cryogenic tanks. Like the, the whole story about you know uh, Walt Disney, his head is in a cryogenic yeah, I, tank I, under
1: the. Park. No, I listened to this American Life episode oh, yeah. where they interviewed the guy that tried to keep that maintained and totally failed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there must be something to it.
0: You know, it's one of those things that there's always a grain of
1: truth in that stuff. Because the uh, Max Planck Institute says as climate change continues to raise temperatures, yeah. more permafrost may melt mm-hmm. to re- reveal other creatures and that organisms. have been dormant for thousands of years. That's what makes it 14. Yes. So,
0: what are you going to get out of that? You know, we we all watch The Last of Us. You know, it's like, are we going to? come across some kind of strange fungus
1: and hey when i was a kid it. i seen the thing oh, yeah. and that was uh, the original thing was a mushroom guy yeah uh, i
0: watched the john carpenter version yeah well
1: i saw that one too and that I, one is much scarier I, yeah that's but true. james arness says the thing and the old yeah. version there's it's a classic huh? it is
0: definitely a classic <laughs> all right what's next
1: all right The long-lost ruins of Roman Emperor Nero's private theater was discovered this week. The site was unveiled near the Vatican when construction workers began digging in the area as part of a renovation project. The ruins are believed to be where the infamous emperor who reigned from 54 to 68 AD would practice music and write poetry. And the reason why this caught my attention is there's that old saying, he fiddled as Rome burned. Yeah. And then I realized that was true.
0: Yeah, it might have actually possibly been true. You know, what interested me about that as you're reading it is that they found it near the Vatican. There's a, <clears throat> there's a kind of thing that, that you see. Sometimes it's intentional, but sometimes it's not. But there's a tendency, whether by design or accidental, there is a tendency to build... S- religious sites on top of other religious sites and a lot of times those religious sites are actually at the conjunction of ley lines so you know you like I remember when I lived in England there was a a church at the end of the road and that church had been rebuilt and rebuilt and rebuilt from 10 it was in the doomsday book in like 1066 so there had been a church there since 1066 so it's, it's interesting that they found that near the Vatican. It kind of puts that that notion of that there there are sacred places. And in those sacred places, sometimes, you know, it's it ends up being a church. Sometimes it's just a, a, a wood. You know, it's a bunch of trees. But no,
1: I've been in the places where it the place is somehow imbued with yeah, something.
0: With something. And, and they, there's a tendency to build you know, structures that are are religious in nature, whether it's Buddhist or Christian or whatever.
1: See now, my philosophy up till now, and I guess it's beginning to change, I think sometimes places are just inherently for some reason or another that way. Well,
0: supposedly it's a conjunction of ley lines that actually makes it that way. See,
1: my philosophy up till now has been because the site had been used for so long, Right. Um, as that it's, it's just actually known
0: as a sacred site,
1: uh, no, it's actually captured the vibes. You go into a church where oh, yeah. people have been worshiping, all of a sudden, you go in, you feel, and then they build the churches in order to give you that feeling, too. True. Um, but somehow that the walls become imbued with the uh, I we visited a haunted site in the Azanazi. Everybody had the same dream, and we right. had to pack up and leave. And I'm talking about a group of historians and yeah. scientists. Well, that's,
0: that's not uncommon.
1: Uh, we that s- had to happen to me. Uh, we slept um, because of we were a research group. We got to visit sites that were either just discovered or not necessarily open to the public. And we did this newly discovered site, and uh, we actually slept down inside the thing. And the next morning, uh, we had to pack up and leave that there was something happening in uh i think louis lamor uh louis L'Amour, uh that western writer louis lamor yeah uh wrote a uh story about the about something a haunted ancient azanazi uh,
0: i can never get into louis Lamore. that was my dad's thing yeah. i read robert Heinlein, which well, is trippy in its own way
1: but i, I kid my favorite was uh Ryder Haggard's, you know, the she and Solomon's Mines, and I'm I'm stuck on those, man. Oh, yeah. All right, what's your next one? Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) So, all right, this one's about gravity holes. Okay. So the remnants of an ancient ocean could be causing a gravity hole in the Indian Ocean. Oh, yeah. So a so-called gravity hole, and I guess there is more than one in, in this world, uh, but the one in the Indian Ocean where the gravitational pull is weaker than in other places on Earth, they say could be the result of magma plumes from deep within the planet. Uh, uh, because when th- what they discovered is to try to explain the anomaly, researchers used computer models to study plate tectonics. And they found that the gravity discrepancies goes back to the separation of Gondwana. It was like the supercontinent that became Africa, Australia, and India. Pangea, and then it broke into Gondwana and a couple others. Uh, So the shifting of the continents over time eliminated... Uh, The ocean the ancient ocean that was there Mm -hmm. and it sunk down So it's like one ocean on top the other ocean the uh, So the plate began to sink deeper into the earth causing the lower gravity So as of now researchers are not certain uh, Whether the gravity hole will remain or whether it will disappear
0: you know, what's interesting about that is that there are a number of, of vortex sites like uh, Gold Hill, Confusion Hill, the Mystery Spot. <clears throat> and they, they actually run in a kind of weird ring around the Earth. But they're, they're supposed to be gra- like uh, gravitational anomaly sites and vortexes. I'm trying, I'm trying my, I don't really do bucket lists. But besides the Mongolian death worms, which I really, really want to see, I had a friend who actually, well, Walter.
1: Okay. He
0: saw them. He went to Mongolia to see the Mongolian death worms. So I want to go see the Mongolian death worms, but I also want to try to visit these vortex sites. So far I've done Gold Hill and I've done a Confusion Hill, so yeah. I've got to do the mystery spot next.
1: Yeah, my uh, wife lived in, uh, my wife's mother used to live in Sedona and we actually bought crystals we oh, yeah. went up uh, followed all the ley lines well, you know, to charge our crystals. Well, you
0: know what's interesting <laughs> is that, you know, we've, we've done a couple of shows now about, you know, the weird stuff that happens here. And one of, the theory, one of the pervasive theories is that when you have people living on top of areas with massive crystal, you know, amounts of crystal below you, you tend to get this kind of weird fortune stuff. And, you know, pretty much... The uh, the entire um, Sierra Range is you know granite. It has
1: quartz crystals. No, my uh, dad lived up on Longkill Road. And he had five acres, and we used to go up there and visit him. And you'd kick over a rock, and it was it, it'd be a big thing of crystals. Oh yeah,
0: over so over Mariposa. Crystal had, farms. Yeah. Oh yeah, over Mariposa. they have amethyst. You find garnet everywhere. But the fact that there's all these crystals supposedly enhance it magnifies the latent psychic energy in in the people that live above it and then they manifest stuff.
1: Well I remember going over to uh this isn't Calaveras County, but Cave City. Oh yeah. And uh he goes, Hey you wanna see the cavern we just discovered? I go, Yeah. (laughs) Sure. And uh but you had it really squeeze. Oh yeah. And uh but it was this room of crystals. Yeah. It was a crystal room. Oh yeah. They
0: exist. Wow. No, they're they're crazy. Hey, uh, it's it's almost time for our break. I know one hour gone that fast. Oh,
1: make sure at least say a uh, ID.
0: I'm about to. Oh, sorry, my trainer. Uh, you're listening to the Enigma <laughs> Hour, <guessed>. Captain Tiki, <laughs> Captain Tiki on K A A D L P one hundred three point five FM in Sonora. I'm going to go ahead and uh, and launch our our break a little early, and then we'll come back to more of me being interviewed, which is. Kind of weird.
1: All right, here we go. And this one's. Well, that's for- what the show is all about.
0: That's true. This one's for you, Dave. Don't take those headphones off yet. Okay. That's a Hawaii 5.0 theme. This is the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki and KAAD LP 103.5 FM, Sonora, California. I'm here with uh, Dave Allen. He's uh, quizzing me on, on 14 news. Uh, we're mixing it up a little bit tonight, and uh, he's interviewing me, <laughs> which is a little strange. But hey, go with the flow. Anyway. I thought I'd bring us back a little bit early because he has quite a list of stuff. Yeah,
1: and I'm going to end up skipping through a lot of these because you brought up another subject that I want to touch on, but just one that I just is kind of dear to my heart. I don't know if you've ever been uh, pond fishing in Oklahoma. No. It's a tradition. No, I've never done So that. you can invade other people's property. Uh, 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 well, I don't know. There's an agreement among all these farmers in Oklahoma, and they all maintain ponds. And uh, in order to get the cycle of life going good in these ponds, there's a combination of perch, catfish, and bass, and it completes a cycle. Okay. You got a thriving pond. All right. So you do this thing called bottle fishing, okay. and you visit these different ponds, and you get a bottle that floats. And you do, you put your hooks uh, connected to that and throw it in the water. And as you travel through these different ponds, you you end up making a loop and coming back to the original pond and start checking for the fish, okay? Okay. And I've actually done this, and uh, it's it's kind of fun. Sounds like it. So an 11-year-old Oklahoma boy uh, was doing his pond fishing and then uh, he found a fish that was certainly was not native to Oklahoma. So Charlie Clinton of okay. Edmond, Oklahoma, and this is on July 16th. All this news is just like recent. I just looked this, all this stuff up. Well, it's Ca- every
0: day. I mean- <laughs> it's
1: every day. That's what I realized. Yeah. Caught a, uh, a f- well, it's a freshwater fish related to the piranha. Really? It's called a pacu. And it's a South American fish. Uh, uh, it's right. a, uh, so he found piranha in one of these ponds that he had been fishing in in Oklahoma.
0: That's a 10, Dave. That's, okay. That's a 10.
1: Uh, so the kid uh, reeled it in, in a pond right behind the family's house was that's, the one. That's a 10 on the 14 scale. Okay. And uh, he said he'd never seen anything like the fish before. At yeah. first he thought it was a giant sunfish, but then he realized it had teeth. Pretty sharp to you, too. So uh, all he knew was it didn't belong in the pond. <laughs> yeah,
0: by by several thousand miles.
1: Okay, I'm just going to, so I'm going to skip over the 3,000-year-old meteorite found by Lake, which was used as an alien weapon. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll save that. Here's here's one that I, I think I, I hit it on this one, but you tell me.
0: Okay, throw down.
1: All right. This is uh, hundreds of blackbirds mysteriously plummet from the sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. This (laughs) happens. Okay, yeah, it happened twice in the last week, okay? Okay. So um, uh, it says while unusual is not the first time, they call them flock drops. Yep. And uh, so hundreds of yellow headed blackbirds uh, were, uh, I guess, migrating over Chihuahua, Mexico. And then uh, they just all dropped from the sky. It happened. And, and it was captured by security camera footage capturing the incident. And um, uh, so it was believed that the bird species were in the process of migrating, and then they just collapsed. But also the week previous, last week, some people in Wales... Um, And uh, I guess they came out and counted them. 200 starlings fell from the sky. Oh, I've heard about the starlings. So one man who worked in the area told a local outlet that he heard a large bang and then a load of birds landed on my car. (laughs) He says it was like, (laughs) it, it, it says there were hundreds of birds in the sky and all of a sudden they just fell to the ground. It was quite surreal last night, to be honest with you. Not something I have ever experienced before.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of theories on why that happens. But it's it's actually more common than you'd think.
1: Yeah, and it took Charles Fort to uh, uh, help people get interest in these sorts of things.
0: Yeah, he documented, I believe it was hundreds of cases of that kind
1: of stuff. Um Somebody tried to compile his notes, and I guess they were kept on little cards or something. And there was literally thousands and thousands and thousands of them. So that that's just like once
0: you know, then in the fifties, you know, Keel, John Keel, picked it up. He wrote about it, like the Haunted Earth and Disneyland of the Gods. And he's best known for the Mothman, the Mothman prophecies. Okay.
1: It, uh, I had a couple of things that actually happened here, and not oh. in the last week. Well, no. Um, you know, the Church of Spiritual Technology maintains an alien space cathedral okay. in the underground vaults at the former site of the Lady Washington Mine in Tuolumne. I had heard about that. And uh, it's, uh,
0: it's t- one, one of their. It's, they only have a couple, but it's one of their repositories.
1: Yeah, this doesn't actually have the landing strip. No, it's a repository. It's not by Hemet. Um, yeah. For the it's it goes down six stories. I believe
0: it. That's. It, I think the landing strips by Hemet.
1: Ah, uh, by their big symbol. Yeah, no, it is. You're right. Uh, but we have one of those here. Oh, and wait. I used to play at the Washington Mine. We I had a gal that lived. Um, And what was the Grizzly, the original Grizzly Bear Saloon. I think it's the one the song's named after. Um, They own all that now, the uh, Church of Spiritual Technology. Yes, just leave it at that. (laughs) Okay, here's something that happened uh, here. Um, And it's like a kind of a reoccurring thing. And I have my own uh, theory on this. But mysterious sounds rattle California towns. Okay. Residents in Tuolumne County are looking for the source of an eerie boom like noise that has been occurring every day between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Mm. Now, Snorri isn't the first town to report strange noises. In fact, unexplained audio is relatively common worldwide phenomenon.
0: Songs, yeah, you hear songs, you hear noises, hums, beeping sounds. I forget where it was, but there's somewhere around here they actually heard beeping sounds coming out of the ground. You could actually lay down on the ground Put your ear to the ground, and you can hear well, it. Well,
1: you know about beeping. all the underground tunnels and oh, passageways, yeah. that catacomb underneath Sonora. Sonora's built up. Yeah. I mean, you can't call it the Seattle Underground, but uh, uh, there are specific tunnels. Oh, there were one tunnels that would go. There were tunnels everywhere. There were tunnels because of mining. A lot of these uh, houses are built on top of uh, pits, mines, and stuff. Uh, You've seen, um, uh, what was that Lee Marvin movie, uh, musical, and the whole town collapses because they mined it. That's based on this up here. I'm sure. And uh, (laughs) uh, there were uh, tunnels uh, to get to the bank. There were tunnels to get to the... so there's an extensive red light district you know and they used to shuffle the girls back and forth and uh, I've seen some of those uh, you <laughs> should have those tunnel people on this show yeah uh, there's there's a crazy it's not around here but there's a theory that there's a,
0: actually an underwater underground tunnel well it's a tunnel it's obviously underground but it's flooded and it goes from Catalina Catalina Island the entrance is by Catalina. And it goes all the way to Area Fifty One.
1: Uh, I don't they, know about they that, they but I know. Submarines. I know that those islands out there, Catalina Islands, a very bizarre place.
0: Oh yeah, they find they found giants there, all kinds of yeah. They have yeah you you know the submarines. weird
1: story about that is I seen pictures that so this cat who whatever his name was. Oh, let me finish this story oh, sorry, anyway. Go ahead. You go ahead. Um, so my feeling about this is, is yes. up in Twain Heart, there's this thing called Burst Rock. Okay. Yes, it was an old rancheria, uh, uh, okay. Native American settlement. Why did they call it Burst Rock? It was just a humongous rock. I mean, now it's under Twain Heart Lake. But what happens is it's here in uh, the mother lode, in the winter, it snows. And then in the summer, it's like 110 <laughs> degrees. Okay, there's an extreme of, of temperatures. Oh,
0: right. So cracking. what
1: happens is, yeah, the, the rocks start cracking. They have a little crack and then it'll freeze and expand it. I think
0: they have a, a chunk of that that's in the, uh, what's the name of that? The uh, the restaurant. The one in Twain Hart. It's uh,
1: called The Rock. Yeah, The Rock. It's that's named after. Duh. Hi, I'm tired. The, it's named yeah. after The Rock. Yeah, they have a chunk of it in there. So, uh, and that's my... Uh,
0: well, you know what I find funny about that story is it happens every day between eleven and twelve. Yeah, that. Yeah, you know what that eleven sounds like and to two me? or mm-hmm. eleven and two. That sounds like it's a plane.
1: I think it's a plane. Hey, you know, uh, up here was a source of a couple AM coast to coast because of those chemtrails, <laughs> yeah. and uh, they would just and and I'm here witnessing it, oh, yeah. and there was some theories. That they were releasing low level viruses to see how it yeah, would. Huh? Um, and then they said it uh, so you'd look at it and it looked like old uh, uh, some kind of script, ancient mysterious script, like oh, doing sky
0: riding. I've never seen that.
1: Uh, but that was kind of strange. But, you know, there. if it
0: happens, there's there's a recording floating around. Um, I'll try to find it, but there's a recording floating around and it was from uh, air traffic control in Oakland Oakland Center and Oakland handles Pretty much all the inbound aircraft coming in From the Pacific, you know into the US and well at least in the northern part of California There's LAX down down lower, but Oakland handles everything kind of oh Gosh, I forget how far down it goes maybe Santa Barbara North Right. And one night, this guy, he's the air traffic controller. He gets this. This guy comes on the radio and says, you know, I forget the exact terminology, but he basically says, you know, I, I need I need you to clear clear me a path um, because I have a shockwave. Right. And he says and the air traffic controller says, OK, well, what what altitude are you at? And he says, well, I'm at right now I'm at 70, 70,000 feet. And the, the air traffic controller says, "Well, what kind of a vector, you know, what kind of a corridor are you looking for?" He says, "Well, I want to. I'm going to, you know, go higher, so I need I need you to close everything from about seventy thousand to about a hundred thousand feet." And the air traffic controller says, "Okay, you want me to close all the airspace from seventy thousand feet to a hundred thousand feet?" The guy comes back and he he identifies an unlisted military aircraft. And the, the guy says, yes, I'd like you to clear 70 to 100,000. And the, the, the air traffic controller says, okay, you got it. And he goes, okay. And he says, you know, I'm all commercial aircraft. I don't have anything going much over 40. 40, 45 is really the limit. And this guy wanted 70 to 100,000. And he needed that 30,000 feet for the shock wave of whatever engine he was using. Uh-oh. That's insane, thirty thousand foot shockwave.
2: All right. But, so, so
0: you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, here, you know, we're not actually that far from Area Fifty One. If as the crow flies, we're only no, no, you're
1: miles. right. And one of the theories about those booms was something was happening on yeah, Area Fifty One. Yeah. yeah,
0: because even you know, even if you're flying at 40,000 40, feet, if you break the sound barrier, you're gonna hear
1: it. Yeah. And we've been buzzed by aircraft because I've witnessed it. And, oh, I'm
0: telling you, and it you
1: looks thing. pretty alien stuff.
0: The the aircraft here are strange. You know, it's it's not uncommon that I'll see you know military aircraft fly over fly over the city with or the town, I guess, fly over the town. Their transponders are off.
1: Oh yeah. Oh no, I've seen like parades. Of them. First, the jets come through right. all in yeah, unison. About that. And then the black helicopters would come in. Right, which is an FAA violation, by
0: the way. Ah. They have to, unless it's military, they have to put in a tail number. So if you see a jet black helicopter with no markings at all, that's actually an FAA violation, I believe.
1: Yeah, well, I was, uh, I was outside of Barnwrights in Jamestown, <laughs> and I look over at the guy standing next to me, and you know i won't mention his name but it's like the town drunk and he was like oh and i said are you seeing what i'm seeing he's like sure yeah (laughs) yeah i was it made me double take i mean i was straight you know you
0: know the the chemtrail thing is actually really interesting that for decades people have been trying to find the chemtrail fleet but i i hypothesized in the book that you referenced before that there is no fleet because there's actually patents that exist by various aircraft manufacturers to have a device in the engine that will actually reroute um, material in the fuel. They'll actually separate the fuel. So I've thought for many years that, that if you want to argue that chemtrails are real, that basically all commercial aircraft are the chemtrail fleet. They just decide which, which fuel they want to put that stuff? Oh,
1: to with. release it and right. where? Right. Because I mean, I don't know where this is coming from, but I mean, I've witnessed it. And oh, I've yeah. seen like designs well, in the it, sky, the interesting patterns, like ind- purposely, like seating or something.
0: Yeah. The, so where it comes from is back in the fifties. Um, Doctor Edward, Edward Teller, who's the father of the you know the bomb, one of the fathers of one of the bombs, Teller wrote a wrote an article called Sunscreen from the Planet Earth. And the idea was even back in the 50s that they had started to detect that climate change was starting and that the phytoplankton were not processing the carbon dioxide fast enough. They were actually processing it at a rate of 50% of what we commonly learned that they're supposedly doing. And so Teller said that the way we could fix this was to dump uh, part- very fine particulate, um, reflective particulate matter in the upper atmosphere, and so
1: it would create a shield. Oh yeah, I've actually heard of that.
0: Yeah, and, and now
1: the theory is is putting a hanging an umbrella on an asteroid.
0: Yeah, that's another one.
1: <laughs> but but the idea was
0: to to change the albedo, the reflectivity of the Earth, and it would cool it.
1: Yeah. This is the fifties,
0: I think mean, fifties is the sixties, and so you know supposedly they started the geoengineering program at that point. And what's interesting about that is that there's something called global dimming. Now, I don't know if you experience this, but a lot of people will say that, gee, you know, the Earth seemed brighter when I was a kid. And for a long time, people just thought, you know, oh, that's mass hysteria or whatever. But it turns out it was true. When uh, when 9-11 happened, they grounded all the aircraft across the entire United States. A bunch of atmospheric scientists ran outside and said, oh, my gosh, you know, this is the first time in recorded history, modern recorded history, there's no planes flying, so they started floating balloons and doing tests and it turns out that the the temperature of the earth increased by like a quarter of a degree in under 7 days. That's pretty pretty crazy and that the earth was like I want to say it was like 10 or 10% brighter. And then they started having the planes fly and then it it got dark again. But the earth Literally, is darker than when you were a kid.
1: Well, and you know what? Uh, it was my wife that pointed that out to me. It's funny; she just said that the other day. She says things were brighter back then, yeah, and as her part of her argument, it says, "Look at cinema. Uh, they yeah, they reflected. Yeah, it's all dark and dull." Right. And she says, back in the day, that was a way to prove her point. And she says, literally, the world was brighter Well, I'll give you another one.
0: Have you ever heard of the, um, what is it, the Mandela
1: Mandela effect? No, tell me about the Mandela effect.
0: So the Mandela effect is this idea that that something changed. So, like, you'll talk to people, and it's the Bernstein Bears versus the Berenstein Bears. And there was a movie with Shaq in it that was like a... He was like a genie and, you know, and it's a Nelson Mandela died in prison, right? That's one of the big ones. And there's a whole list. You can go on the internet. There's a whole list of them, right? And being the age that I'm at, a lot of the things that happened like in the 80s, like I remember that stuff, like the Bernstein Bears. And I can't help but say the Bernstein Bears. It was never the Bernstein Bears to me. It was always the Bernstein Bears, right? Well, a lot of people said that oh that's mass mass, you know, psychosis is mass hysteria, whatever. But it turns out that about the time that people started reporting that these, these things were happening, they were actually doing tests at one of the accelerators out by Chicago. And they, they were running a test like one week before this stuff started getting started being seen. So the theory is, is that they ran some kind of test, that actually changed, like changed the, um, like the timeline that we're on, so that people who are older, they remember. these I movies. remember
1: reading an article not about an explanation for it, yeah. but that, uh, hey, do you remember such and right. such? It's do you remember of such joke. and yeah. such? Yeah. You're and crazy. That those things never existed. Right, and, uh, but you're sure they did. But you're sure they, they did, did. that's
0: and right. I think one of them was about Oscar Mayer hot dogs.
1: Uh, you know, I can't really remember them. Yeah. Uh, the Mandela I, Effect, search yeah. for it, it's, it's weird. But
0: one week before it started being reported, I forget the name, I think it was Fermilab. Yeah, it was Fermilab. Fermilab did some kind of like high-energy test one week before. Okay, wow. So they might have actually changed the timeline.
1: Yeah, Shift is off. Alternative.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are books written about the Mandela effect.
1: And I've seen it myself. I always thought of it just as a way of, uh, like everybody calls the little grocery store barn rice, but it's really (laughs) barendrite. Maybe it was barn right. (laughs) Maybe it was barn right at one time, yeah. So you brought up a subject during the break. And I said, "What did you think of roadsides attractions?" Oh yeah. And I love it. that's right. That uh, was his response. And I remember going on uh, a tour when I was a real little kid, and it was in an old station wagon. and uh, it was my dad and my mom and my brothers. and it was so long ago that they, the cars didn't have air conditioning, so you'd have a little scoop. Uh, that would uh, blow air across this wig. We, we called them cam- camel bags. It was a, a canvas bag filled with water. So it was right. like a swamp cooler for your car. Wow. And uh, uh, we went on a road trip and we stopped at these different roadside attractions and it had a big impact on me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, I love roadside attractions. They're, I, I think it's a, a very Americana kind of thing, because when you go and live in other countries, like they don't they don't really do that. I remember once <clears throat> I was driving from where I lived to uh, where was it to Manchester. I lived outside of Birmingham, and I was driving to Manchester. And I remember driving along, and I saw a sign for the Robin Hood Airport, and I thought, well, no, no, no. And then there was the entrance to Sherwood Forest. Well, in America, there'd be kind of some kind of roadside attraction, like come, come see, you know, Robin Hood's. But right, signs
1: that begin miles big, down the, the road, road, blinking lights, and saying that like, coming up, yeah. just a half mile down the road. Right, and you, you know, you go to Friar Friar Tuck's
0: bar to go have meat. Me I mean, you know, some. But over there, it was just like. Yeah, that sure would for us.
1: Like, they don't really... And have, if there was nothing there, they some people it. would invent something to Well, you brought there. up
0: something that was actually kind of funny. When I was a little kid, we used to camp in a place outside of a, a town called Fort Klamath. Fort Klamath is a, a very... I mean, it, there's nothing there. I kind of had a dream at one point. They were selling what had been the, the kind of grocery store. And uh, I had this dream of buying it and turning it into like a 14 museum. Because there's literally nothing in Fort Klamath. You kind of drive through it to get to Crater Lake. But you said
1: I visited a roadside attraction. You visited
0: a roadside attraction there that I, I always found perplexing. And what it is is that when you take the main road through Fort Klamath toward Crater Lake, and you almost miss it every time, but there is actually a rotting roadside attraction that had been some kind of a A dinosaur prehistoric forest. Yeah, prehistoric forest with concrete dinosaurs.
1: Concrete dinosaurs.
0: That and there's this weird, and I've never figured out what it was. But down the road from the concrete dinosaur forest, there's a compound, like a full-on, like doomsday-looking compound. And I've never figured out what that was either.
1: Uh, Yeah, I visited that sea lion caves to see the petrified fossils oh, sure. of sea lions
0: and actually you know what's funny is that if, if you while you're driving on 101 south to get down there to you know to that stuff um, there's actually there's a, a lot of rocks very tall mountainous kind of rocks and you know when you get down toward you know Santa Barbara and stuff there's a, there's a cryptid that exists in that area and they're called the Watchers. I
1: I read about them.
0: Yeah, basically, you'll be, like, hiking up there, you know, or you'll be driving along, and on the tops of these rocks, there'll just be people standing there. They're just, like, like dark, black, like, shadow people, like, standing on top of the rocks. They're called the Watchers.
1: See, uh, being born and raised... uh... Where I was, it's just like these things are just the common everyday part of life. There's the alternative was actually mainstream yeah, for me and, growing up.
0: And what's weird is that, you know I think it's a 33rd degree parallel. They call it the UFO superhighway, and it starts down a little south of Santa Cruz. So what you get is all along the 33rd parallel, of which we're you know we're either very close or inside all kinds of weirdness happens and it goes from west to east yeah it's called the ufo ufo highway
1: uh yeah and i remember seeing some show where they said sonora is kind of like part of the the triangle triangle or oh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no there's yeah and you know you go the passes the passes are haunted you know, there there are stories about the passes being haunted. Oh,
1: yeah, there's some guy that lives on the other side of Sonora Pass. What's that, Mono County? They have a museum of the strange up there. Did you realize that? No, I did not. Yes, they do. I'm and uh, and this guy has a newsletter that prints stories of all the UFOs up there. Oh, that. They're well known for the UFOs.
0: Um, but, but again, you know, there's spitting distance to Area 51 and then an LS test range, so it's like, well... You know, is
1: it a UFO or is it Lockheed? You really don't know. Yeah, I'm uh, giving, uh, and this is what makes it interesting that uh, Tuolumne history uh, on UFOs goes back so far. We had a show, the other, uh, one of your first shows that uh, right. you did, the Enigma Hour. I it was the first one. Oh, and uh, that uh, the... Tuolumne County uh, Historical Society uh, came to me and asked me to do a uh, lecture on the history of UFOs oh, yeah. in Tuolumne County.
0: Well, I think you were telling me that, that I guess every county in in the capital, every county has like a stained glass window. And the one for Tuolumne has like a Bigfoot UFO
1: on it. Oh no, so at the in the state capital. There's this hall, and right. every county gets a window box as right. a display box to dis- display what their county is known for. Right. Now, I don't know if they've changed changed I or I sure hope not. But uh, I did stand up a little prouder that when I passed the Tuolumne window display, um, little diorama for our county, it had a, uh, a flying saucer and, and a Big Bigfoot. Fruit. Yes, it did. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, the other counties, Lodi had the grapes or whatever county that is, uh, yeah. you know, they all had what they were famous for. And that's what <laughs> Tuolumne Look, County.
0: I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told you for, for three three shows that we've done. I I do not understand, I cannot fathom why we don't make a bigger deal out of it. There's a place in Southern Washington, it's called Trout Lake, and it's where E. SETI is. East SETI, this guy has a ranch, you know, it's a farm basically, and you watch Mount Adams and you see all kinds of weird things there, you know, they, it goes on for hours. Lights moving across the surface of the mountain, portals opening, vortexes opening up, Lights shooting through the trees, weird planes flying in the air. All kinds of Bigfoot. That's where I saw Bigfoot actually it was on Mount Adams. But it's it's in Trout Lake, Washington. There is nothing in Trout Lake, Washington except a restaurant that apparently barbecues pizza really well. But there's nothing else there. And people flock to that. Well, It's like we have more than that. You know, we need to we need to let people know.
1: Yeah, we not only have, and we have all the geology associated yes, with
0: the crystals and
1: yeah. at, at, at the rock formations up in the oh. Dardanelles, the world's oldest trees. Right. Um, uh, yeah, the geology matches; it all comes together in, in the but in oneness. The one thing,
0: the one thing that I will say though, is that in your discussion of you discovering Fortianna. Right. It, it made me realize where originally when I wanted to go somewhere other than where I was, you know, I thought about going to Oregon. I thought about going to Washington. I thought about going to Wyoming. But from the time I was a very small child until today, we came here. You know, sure, we go to Tahoe or wherever, but for the most part, we came here. And now I understand why I had such a, like a vacuum pole to come here and to be here and to live here is because I, I think it is, it's synchronistic in nature that this is, this is really this, it is what, what, um, what he described in a uh, described in Disneyland of the gods, you know, this is Disneyland of the gods. I mean, if you ever read the book, I mean, what he's describing—I'll
1: no, put that on my list. This
0: is, you know, and it's like everything that I read about in Steiger's book, Brother Brad, rest in peace. But everything that I read about in Steiger's book, it happens here. It's not... I've never
1: ever been anywhere
0: that has such a high concentration of weirdness.
1: I, uh, I think. You know, I, I've never really been into the haunting thing, but every other house here... It's haunted. ...is, is haunted, and... Um, and every mine is. See that... Uh, uh, what are they? The Ghost Hunters Show? Oh, sure. And uh, they Ghost said adventures. that... Um, Ghost Adventures. Yeah. And they said that the Tuolumne General Hospital was the most active building they had ever mm. been in.
0: Yeah, I think... I think it's one of the most active buildings in the entire United States. That's why I want to go in there so bad.
1: Well, you, you should be able to. At one time, they uh, they were trying to figure out what to do to, with the old hospital, and they wanted to make it like rental spaces for like a maker labs and things like that. Uh, yeah. A, a portion of it is still used as, as mental health facility. And then I think the probation department has a... Uh, like a work crew area or something there. Right. Um, but the bulk of the hospital is empty. But I did do a tour. It was during the day with the possibility of renting space there. Uh-huh. And the guy that showed me around, like the caretaker, the janitor, whoever he was, yeah. uh, actually had named the ghost. He had a close relationship right. with one of the ghosts. I think it was Ed or something, but I can't remember if that's the guy that showed me around or the name of the ghost. But... <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, he, he seemed not... Uh, but those guys that spent the night there...
0: Oh, it terrorized them.
1: Oh, uh, yeah.
0: And it just, you know... And, and it's that idea that every mine is haunted. You know, every miner that I've ever talked to who worked in an actual... Went into a mine, whether it was professional or hobbyist, they talk about the Tommyknockers. And it's like, you hear the Tommyknockers, you leave. There's no pausing, waiting... You hear the Tommyknockers. You go, okay. Well, if you take that idea that every mine is haunted, which every miner I've ever known maintains that every mine is haunted, because you know people die in there. Okay, how many mines are there just in Sonora?
1: I, I you couldn't count the exactly. amount of. Exactly. It. It's just catacombs everywhere, tunnels everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. On my dad's property. Uh, I said, "What? Well, you must have been digging for water a lot. Look at all these caps." And he goes. No, he says that's the breather holes for the mine. His hole underneath his property was yeah, it's all mine that
0: So if that's haunted, too, you, the collective psychic energy of that much haunting, whether it's in the mines, it's in the buildings,
1: it's insane. Now you figure um, this, uh, well, I can't discount the Native American presence, but right. um, uh, and there's some eerie stories come out of uh, those. Uh, Absolutely. Ah, uh, thanks, too. And I could—I guess there are some pretty good ghost stories come out of the Native American lore about here. Yes. And uh, the rattlesnake shamans, they over on Pulpit Rock, um, they used to have a cutting session. It was like War of the Wizards. Okay. And there was like a ceremony that they do, and all the uh, shamans would get together, medicine men or right. uh, whatever they were called. And uh, they'd have a cut who had the most powerful magic? And uh, they would do the ceremonies up there and no, that. I mean
0: it's you know the, the whole area just is imbued with it. And I think you know as a fortune, the, the more the more I think about it, the more I real, even even the synchronicities of having the show. Yeah, who would it? Uh, I walked in, I walked in to volunteer to do some IT crap and then I end up with a show.
1: Yeah I, I remember and I you're asked you. out. <laughs> yeah cuz I you came into the room. Right. And he says well I'm going to do a little uh, you know tech tech work. Exactly. I said, but if you had a show, and I didn't know you at no, all. No, I didn't know you. And I said, if you had nothing. a show, what would it be? And you go a tiki paranormal show or something right. like that. Absolutely. And you won me over right away. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I said, how about next Thursday? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I've got a week to figure this out. Okay. And did you see the faces on uh, oh, Ellen and Ron, was it, that yeah, brought you in here? Yeah, and, uh uh, and then you're in the basement of a haunted mansion. Yeah, it
0: kind of looks like the haunted mansion, actually, when you walk up to the front of it, minus the dome. But it looks, the outside, it looks like, the, I I think about that every time I pull up, I'm like, this is like the haunted mansion. My favorite ride on Disneyland, but you, you would figure that.
1: So when I first, seven years ago, or it's not quite seven years, we're in our seventh year. And when we first started here, this this building had been unoccupied since the 60s. And they just store some stuff here. I know they did. They used some of it as storage. But then all of a sudden, we're the first and only residents of this building. And uh, just the whole set. It was like a Disney ride. Right. So I'd have to come here at 6 o'clock in the morning. In the winter, it's still pitch dark, you know. Right. And... Uh, I walk up the steps, and you see the big columns, and then those incredible eaves. Well, the the ravens uh, nest up there, so I disturb the ravens. So as soon as I come up here, right. arr, 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 you know, it's like that that. Yeah. And then this building is really old and hasn't been properly maintained, so there's peeling paint, sure. stuff like that. And you go to unlock the door, and uh, you hear that click of the key and you can hear it from the outside of the door echo down the hall, the oh, click yeah. of the key. And you opened it up and nobody had been in here. So the lights, all the lights were burnt out. So this is a dome. The building is a circle. So all the hallways are crooked. There's no straight hallway. Right, I noticed And uh, so you're looking down a hallway that looks like it's endless because you can't see the end of it because it curves. Right. And all you see is just this one Bare light bulb, kind of flickering, like almost dying. Yeah, it's like the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and there were there was seemed to be a lot of activity. As a matter of fact, it scared off one of the gals. She goes, "I can't come in there in the morning." You know, I have yet to see anything, but I'm sure. Well, no, I don't think there is any, or you know, I don't want to. It doesn't go away. Uh, well, it's they like us then. If yeah, that's, that that may be, uh, because when they when we first came in, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened.
0: Well, we'll find out. I mean, you know, I'm I have a plan. You know, one of the things that I want to do is is to allow people eventually to call in and to talk to a an SP7 Spirit Box.
1: So yeah, you mentioned that that yeah, you're well, going to get. Uh, they'd ask questions, and the Spirit yeah. Box would answer you answer them back. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant yeah, idea. If it was going to work anywhere, it'd work here. It would work here. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, so we've run we, through a lot of your career.
0: <laughs> yours too.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, you you bring out the f, uh, f, uh, you bring that out in me the well, fourteen you know, in me.
0: I think it's I think it's exciting. I think that the, the f, researching the fourteen is. It's interesting because, you know, it answers, it asks a lot of questions that we ask, you know, and it it answers some of them, but leaves a lot more of them mysterious. You know, it's like, what happens after you die? Well, if you find a ghost, that gives you a good indication.
1: Well, you know, my grandmother, uh, she was uh, born and raised in Oakland, I guess in the 1920s and stuff, and she grew up as a spiritualist. Right. And when I was a little kid, she would hold court in her bedroom from her bed. And people would come in with these big... She liked flowers, so they'd bring in flowers to her and set it at the edge of the bed. And she'd, like, hold court, and they would ask questions. And her medium was my... uh, I guess it was her Aunt Thelma. Okay. But I heard more more about a woman I never met than anything before. (laughs) But she'd get in touch with her Aunt... uh, She'd always say, well, Aunt Thelma... Uh, and it was strange because strange things would happen when I'm around her. Right, she's but, the trigger. But not when I was not around her. So we just kind of dismissed her as kind of crazy old grandmother. She was she was very loving. When she I got sick, she would sprinkle stuff on the window sills. I mean, oh, she sure. she was, she was re- way into uh, she, yeah, she the spirits, yeah. and. Um, uh, I remember going in and the room would be all cold. And I said, Grandma, why don't you shut the window? She goes, no, it's I'm talking to Aunt Thelma. Oh, you know, the weirdest thing that happened when we were over the house, we're taking a family family portrait okay. with a Kodak Instamatic, you know? Sure. And so we all lined up, the whole family lined mm-hmm. up and took a picture. And then right in the middle of the picture, there was this glare. Really? And then she goes, well, that's your Aunt Thelma. And I, no, Grandma, Le- it's it's the glare off the clock or something lens so flare. let's lens flare so let's move over to the other side of the room and there she is again yes
0: I had something like that happen to me at the Wally house in San Diego the Wally house is supposedly one of the most haunted houses in the entire United States and back then I had a 35 millimeter camera right a Canon one of those Canon 35 millimeters so I go and I'm taking pictures like everywhere This is back when you had to develop them, you know. It was going to cost me an arm and a leg. But I took pictures of everything. So I go into their bedroom, the Wally's bedroom. And I'm looking and I, oh, you know what, I'm going to take a picture. I was very clear with myself. I said, you know what, I got to turn turn off the flash. I don't want any lens flare, nothing like that. So I'm taking pictures and there's like a, you're in like a plexiglass booth. And so I took a picture of the bed. And I just, I don't know, I felt weird when I did it. I don't know any other way to, like, just oogie. And so I took a photo through the plexi, but there's no flash or anything. So when I had the film developed, when I first looked at it, I'm like, Oh, that there's a flash there, but I didn't use a flash. So I scanned it. This is back before digital cameras. So I scan it in I blow it up in Photoshop and it is literally Anna Wally. Standing behind me, wow. and I caught her in the re- her reflection in the plexiglass, and it is literally her.
1: Wow, it is like a f- it's just clear,
0: but there's a little bit of a flash around it. Strangest thing, but kind of like what you were talking
1: about. Ah, uh, you can, uh, the National Hotel is haunted by flow. Oh, yes. Do you know Flo?
0: I've heard of Flow,
1: And uh, they have pictures and they have a gold.
0: I think they have a gold mine or something under it, right? No,
1: that's the Willow. Oh, that's the Willow. Uh, uh, 300 people died in a mining accident, and the restaurant bar sits on top of it.
0: Well, that's definitely going to be haunted.
1: Um, uh, the National uh, is known uh, uh, for the ghost will throw your suitcase, your clothes all over, and slam doors and i got a broadcast from like there. i got to figure out how to make that huh? happen. Well, you should go to uh, some of these places. I remember oh, one there. time. I've been there. Uh, I was in Columbia, and oh, and those gold photos. guys, are, uh, the uh, paranormal show it was a television show because yeah. they filmed it. They spent Coast the adventures. night in the hotel, yeah. and uh, they said, and then I, I didn't know who they were, but I guess they're kind of celebrities because they, they attracted a crowd because they were on the street there. Oh, yeah, no, they are. And and uh, uh, they said, uh, yeah, we spent the night there, and the water kept turning on and off, and we have the photographic evidence. So of course I want to watch that episode, right? Because I'm listening to the guy tell me the story. Right. And so I did watch it, and yes, indeed, they oh. had this camera trained on this sink, and you can see the uh, the the handle turning and. Uh, pretty amazing stuff.
0: The, the next, the next time we do a show together, I will tell you a story. Remind me to tell you about the Zodiac. Oh, okay. The Zodiac, like
1: the serial killer, the Zodiac. Oh, really? The ser- I bought a car from the guy that broke the code. Remember the guy that was yeah. a high school teacher in Salinas? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I forget his name, but I. Okay,
0: but you see, that is a synchronicity,
1: Dave. That
0: that's a synchronicity. Oh, okay. No, I will. I will tell you a story huh? about the Zodiac that will okay. curl your toes.
1: Yeah, I, I got a bad deal on the car though. <laughs> it was a Mazda, <laughs> but he was a nice guy and uh, kind of nerdy. Yeah, they they broke the rest of the code now.
0: It's pretty pretty frightening, what it says. But we'll we'll do a show on okay. that. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> that has been another two hours. I know wow. It's hard to believe. Yeah.
1: It's 11:56. I can't believe uh, I would just get, we just get—we didn't even get to the roadside attractions. No. Okay. Well,
0: I'll tell you what. You know what? I was gonna. Why don't you come back next week and we'll—if we'll, you're free—We'll do the roadside attractions. All right.
1: Well, I don't want to get in the way of. No, uh, you're
0: not getting in the way of nothing. This. Right. I'll tell you. I've gotten a lot of really positive feedback about the shows so far. So you know. Plus, I just enjoy
1: talking to you. So all right.
0: Let's. Let's do roadside attractions. I'll tell you the story of the Zodiac next week. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah. And then I'll, I'll get. That yeah, he keeps me around because uh, I'm good for a few laughs. Oh, you're good for a lot of laughs.
0: laughs. No, people, I've gotten a lot of really positive feedback on, on the show. So, but yeah, we'll we'll do that next week. We'll do roadside attractions, more Fortiagna, and uh, the story of the Zodiac. Okay. All right, well, it's been another... Well, that's that's if you want to stay up this late.
1: <laughs> okay, and I'm Dave Allen, and I have been your guest <laughs> on the Enigma Hour with our host, uh, Captain Tiki, Olaf Phillips. And we want to thank our host for... Uh, our guest. ...this uh, evening's conversation.
0: Oh, yeah. And tune
1: in next week. Yeah,
0: and you can find me on Captain Tiki Show on Instagram. Uh, send me a message, and I'm on Facebook as Olaf Phillips, and someday... I'll finish the website and make a page on Facebook.
1: Yeah, so if you want a trip to the Fargonosphere, <laughs> contact I like Captain that. Tiki.
0: Oh, and, and uh, I will be there at Bigfoot Fest on the Sunday. So definitely come by. Um, I'm going to have some stuff that you can win and take home and free stuff. So definitely stop by on. Stop by the uh, K-A-A-D-L-P a table at Bigfoot Fest. We'll have some stuff for you.
1: And make sure you hit the Bigfoot Symposium on Sunday. Absolutely. And get your wait. KAAD Bigfoot sticker for attending.
0: <laughs> and pens. I have pens. Right. Lots and lots and lots of pens. Somebody told me having pens would be a good idea, so I bought a lot of pens. Yeah. All right. Well, well it's what, better
1: than unsharpened pencils.
0: Yeah, and sharpened pencils. I, yeah, it's a bit of a... Bumper
1: nap. stickers. Bumper stickers would be cool. Yeah, what kind of merch, you know? is uh, Well, anyway, uh, it, we'll, we'll talk about we'll that. We'll talk huh? about that.
0: <laughs> I don't think they want to hear about that stuff. They just want to get it. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, remember, we do have a podcast uh, going. You can find it on where better podcasts are downloaded, but definitely on Apple. Uh, just look for The Enigma Hour. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. Good night. Good night.